Yo, quick little preamble to this episode. I'm recording this on my phone, so it's going to sound kind of shitty, but the sound quality will get better after this. Just wanted to say that, uh, you know, again, this show, it's not really advice, I guess, because everyone's process is so different and everyone's methods for being productive are so different. All I can really do is just kind of report how things have gone for me, and hopefully that's useful in some way. But with this, uh, just continuing with what I was saying about trying to learn how to write at home, you know, with all the uh, corona shit, it's fucked up my uh, routine a lot, and it's been hard for me to write at home. But I was saying how uh, I'm in this part of the world where it's very, very low levels of coronavirus, so at least I can go outside, you know, it's reasonable for me to just go out and go for a walk. I'm not literally stuck inside which helps a lot, helps uh, grease the fucking wheels of my brain. But a few days ago, I started feeling like a tickle in my throat. You know, I was like, oh, I know that feeling. I'm definitely getting sick. And given the fucking climate we're in and the circumstances, I mean, uh, it was very unlikely that it was coronavirus because there's still only a little over 100, maybe 115 cases in this whole province. We're super, super lucky in that regard. But I figured I should uh, keep myself quarantined away, you know, just in case. Just, uh, I mean, at the very least, just nobody wants to see any signs of anyone being sick in this fucking global situation. And it's not a bad thing to do anyway, you know? It's like, even if all I did was give somebody a cold, it's like, fuck it, don't do that. <laughs> you know? So I'm like, all right, let's just do it. Let's stay inside. So I stayed inside for like the last four days. I only left my room to go to the bathroom, which is right across the hall. So that's it, just four days inside. And I thought, well, you know, hey, the upside to this is I'm going to get a bunch of work done. I'm going to get all kinds of shit done. And it's fucking incredible how little I got done. Like, I can't remember the last time I've done this. If I go a whole day without going outside, it's very unusual. Like, my whole deal is going outside. That's all I want to do. It's my life, is being outside. I want to be outside as much as I can, and I've just found ways to do work and be productive while I'm outside. But inside, yeah, I just, I thought... All right, let's do it. Let's get a bunch of shit done. Let's edit a bunch of things and do a bunch of stuff. And it was just incredible. It's almost shocking to me how much I didn't get done. Like every day I would just like, okay, let's catch up on some YouTube videos. And I don't know, what else did I even do? I just somehow was always kind of doing something, just goofing off on the computer. You'd think it was just like, I just looked at porn all day, but actually I looked at about the same amount of porn. That didn't really change that much. It just, I don't know, just doing other shit. And it felt like, like without my normal structure, I was always just like waiting for like, when's the time I'm going to shift away from just watching stupid videos and doing dumb entertainment stuff and get down to doing some work. And the time just never came. It's like, it's like if you, I don't know, imagine like a, an object. If you imagine a box, my normal daily routine, it has edges to it, you know? And like at the edge is where I'll do some work. It's like, okay, I got to a coffee shop. Now I'll stop and I'll do some work. 
And then you go along the edge to the next corner and the next corner is like a, a park bench. I'll stop here and I'll do some work. And then the next corner. Instead, my day was just like a ball. There was no edge. I just kind of kept like, okay, I'll just catch up on wrestling. And okay, I'll just watch this one fucking YouTube video. Or I'll listen to this podcast. And I never got to the turning point. I never got to the edge where it's like, okay, now do some work. It just never happened. It would just be like, oh, well, now it's 3 a.m. and I'm exhausted. I'm just going to go to bed. Oh, in the morning, I'll do some stuff. And all four days went by and I did... I think really nothing productive. I was like cartoonishly unproductive. Like I honestly think I got maybe 10 or 20 minutes worth of stuff done over the four days. It's crazy. And I kind of didn't notice. The time just slipped away and I just like, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And I never got to it. But luckily whatever I had was not a big deal. I had a little bit of a sore throat and I felt a little congested. Within a couple of days, it basically went away. And then I gave it another day and a half just to make sure, just to make sure everything is passed and I'm okay. Whatever I had was a little 24 hour, 48 hour bug, whatever. So today, I finally fucking got out of that room, came outside, went for a little walk. And now that I'm back to my pseudo regular routine, you know, as regular as my routine can be in these times, went for a walk and it's just like, oh, there we go. Like now I feel like my shit's together again. And I just went for, I don't know, probably about 35, 40 minutes into walking. It's not that cold out today. I saw a bench and I'm like, all right. I just like, it is no struggle all of a sudden. It would be a struggle not to do work now. It's just like, I just went and sat down and I just did 20 minutes of writing. And it's like, there we go, I'm back. I'm back on the groove, I'm back on the grind, everything's fine again. But it's just like, it's fucking wacky how impossible I found it to do work at home. And then once I got back outside, how impossible it would be to not do some work. It's fucking nuts. So again, yeah, it's not really uh, advice, because, you know, maybe you work different. But for me, it's incredible how undeniable this is, that being inside does not work for me. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to marshal myself into doing work. I don't know how to add those corners to the day. I don't know how to segment my day or regiment it. And yeah, it's ludicrous. I got nothing done. But now as soon as I'm out here, everything's fine. It reminds me of, to bring up Firefly once again, the uh, early 2000s TV show that got canceled that I loved so much. There's a line in Firefly, because it's like a, a sci-fi show, but it's like low-level stakes in the show. They're just smugglers. And in one of the episodes, they're smuggling cows. And one of the characters mentions how while the cows were on the ship, they were just docile and didn't really act like cows because they forgot that they were cows. Like a cow in the hold of a spaceship is so divorced from what they're designed to do that they just become a different thing. And then once they let the cows out on the new planet and they go out into the sun and into the air and they become cows again, it's like, ah, everything's all right again. My life is, makes sense again. <laughs> Everything connects again. And I'm now a cow once again. And that's definitely how I feel. Absolutely how I feel.
And yeah, the reason why I haven't done this in so many years is because under normal circumstances, if I had this little tickle in the throat or I felt a little bit sick, maybe it's uh, irresponsible of me, but I would still go outside. You know, I would really make an effort to stay away from people and not get anyone sick, but I would still go outside. And it's only because the world is gripped in the terror of the coronavirus that I was like, I don't, I don't want to stress anybody out. You know, I don't want anyone to even see me and recognize that I am sick on any level and give them this horrible stress that like, oh God, has that guy got it? Am I going to get it now? I didn't want to put anybody through that, even though I was quite sure that I did not have anything serious. So I stayed inside for four days and it was a fucking disaster. Fuck me. (laughs) So that's all. Just my productivity update. Now let's kick off the actual episode. So big world. Eat, sleep, and eat many souls. Cattle on the ship three weeks, she don't go near them. Suddenly we're on Jianying and she's got a drive and knee to commune with the beasts. They weren't cows inside. They were waiting to be, but they forgot. Now they see sky and they remember what they are. It's so bad that what she said makes perfect sense to me. Hey, welcome to How to Write a Novel. I'm still in Odell Park in my hometown. I'm uh, making my peace with the idea that I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. It's real nice here right now. Like the weather, it could get bad again, but for now it's gotten a bit warmer. It rained some, so it got rid of a lot of the snow. But man, here in the woods, it's fucking so cool. Like there's not that much snow right now in the city in general. But here in the park, there's still snow because I guess the rain just couldn't penetrate the trees enough, nor the heat, because it's all shaded in here. So it's like, man, it's really beautiful. I really never paid attention to this park that much, even when I lived in this town. Like, I'd come through here once in a while. But yeah, now that I'm uh, a fucking adult and I love nature way more, it is pretty cool being in here. So right now, like, there's snow everywhere. But as you can hear, there's uh, the water, like the water has broken through anywhere that there's a stream or a brook that's thawed out. So it's just, it's just so cool. It's really, it's really goddamn pretty. With the water going through the snow and yeah, just with all this coronavirus shit, it's like things are not going to snap back to normal. You know, it's going to be a very slow return to normalcy. And it's just, uh, you know, even though it's that feeling, spring is in the air, man, and I'm just like, oh, I wish I was traveling again, you know? It's like, at the very least, I could go back to Montreal. But then there's a big part of me, too, that's like, man, I could do that same loop I did last year. I could go to Amsterdam, and then I could go back to Japan. It would be so awesome. But uh, it's just not a sensible thing to do at this uh, time in human history to move toward the virus, (laughs) you know? Being in crappy Atlantic Canada, it's still nicely calm around here. But yeah, it looks like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be here. Gonna be here for a while. So I'm just uh, getting used to the idea, just accepting it. This is not a summer of traveling. Maybe I'll, I mean, even though it's like a bad time of year to travel in the fall, I kind of do want to go to Japan when it's colder. I want to go there when 
the vending machines have hot drinks and little cans of soup and weird shit in them. That'd be cool. For now, though, I'm here. And it's not so bad, because, yeah, I've really, uh, I've park bonded. <laughs> to this, I've bonded to this park. This place is pretty good. This will work. And, uh, yeah, like today, it's warm enough that, uh, I just sat on a rock and did some writing. And it's like, hey, man, once the summer hits, if that's what I do every day, if I just come here and sit on a rock and do some writing, not bad. I'll take it. That's fine. But I want to blab a bit about today, something that was on my mind a bit that I think could just be uh, an interesting way to approach a story, particularly like if you have a story that you're having trouble with, if you're having a hard time sorting it out. This has been kind of an interesting little thought exercise for me, so maybe it uh, could be useful for you. I was thinking about my old story, my first big crack at trying to write a novel that I failed at when I was in my early 20s. And I thought I would talk about that a bit because uh, it's just something I roll over in my mind, you know, once in a while. And I'm just like, yeah, it's a shame that I can't figure out some way to salvage that story. Because there's a lot of things I liked about it, but it just got out of hand. And I kind of realized, so uh, I complained, my episode about Evangelion, where I complained about the writing in anime. I've been watching more anime lately just because uh, hanging out at my cousin's place, just watching shit on Netflix, you know, just like, I don't know, throw on some random ass anime let's check it out but at the same time i've been reading a lot of manga because after i got back from japan i was like just so enamored with the mountains of japan that i loved reading uh initial d the racing manga because it's just like so beautifully drawn the way that guy it's different people that draw you know it's like a little team so there's a guy who just draws the backgrounds and whoever that guy is he is really good like just beautiful artwork i realized i like manga way more than i like anime like i don't think i could make it through the initial d anime because with anime it is like i said with that evangelion episode it's just people just exposit to a crazy degree the exposition is insane everyone is just constantly explaining everything that's happening and every little thought and it's brutal. They still do that in manga, but I find it so much more digestible in manga because you can just kind of read it at your own pace or just skim over it. It just doesn't seem as in your face where when you're watching an anime and it's just going at the speed that it's going at and everyone is just talking and it's just, uh, yeah, it just it drives me nuts. But in a manga, it's like not so bad. It's just, uh, it doesn't hurt my brain. I can, it's like I can recognize that this is kind of a bad way to tell a story, but it just doesn't bother me. I just feel so much more comfortable with the pacing of comic books and just how you can kind of absorb things to the degree you want to absorb them much easier in a comic. You can read it slow, you can read it fast. But reading manga, like I've been reading a bunch of uh, different stuff, different genres, jumping all over the place. And one thing I realized, because I used to love manga and anime a lot when I was a teen. I fucking loved it. It seemed so, so awesome. You know, it's like this whole new set of cultural cliches that I didn't know. So everything felt so unique and so excellent. And then slowly, as I got familiar with stuff, it wore off a bit. But what I realized reading manga again is how common it is to just introduce new characters. Like they don't hesitate to just throw in a new character. Is the situation getting a little stale? 
you know, are we not quite sure what the next uh, beat of the overall plot should be? No problem, just introduce a new character. It's like, I think it would be hard to find a manga where that doesn't happen. That's kind of de rigueur, you know, that's just what they do, that's the thing. And because that's just what they do and that's how it always is, you just accept it. It's like, that's fine, it doesn't seem like a problem. It's just what manga does. And reading these things, I realized I was much more influenced by them when I was younger than I realized, because that's exactly what happened with the first novel I tried to write. I didn't go in with much of a plan. I just went week to week. I wrote a new chapter every week for a while, at least a year, probably a little more. And whenever I wasn't quite sure where things were going, or I didn't have a clear path forward, I just introduced a new character. <laughs> and I thought I might just go through that a bit and talk about it. But I never thought about that as a problem back then because that's just what they did in manga. That's what they do in anime. And now looking back at that story, I think that's, that's what makes it such a disaster. You know, it's not a manga, it's not an anime. It's a fucking North American teen novel. And it just feels it feels sloppy. It feels like I didn't know what I was doing, which I didn't. It feels like I was just throwing in characters whenever I didn't know what to do next, which is true. Because even just the uh, different mediums, you know, this is like a different topic, but let me just jump for a second. I've been thinking a lot lately about how different mediums really tell stories in different ways. Like what I was saying before, like what I feel like is an okay way to proceed in a manga with just side characters explaining what's happening or just <laughs> people talking to each other in this direct way. It doesn't seem that bad in a manga, but I hate it in an anime. It's like the two things are telling the same story, but they're different mediums, and I just don't feel like it works in anime. I was thinking about that with uh, video games. Obviously, I wrote a book about the game The Last of Us, so I'm very familiar with that game. And they announced that there's going to be an HBO show about The Last of Us. And I'm just not that excited because it's a different medium. Like, it might be okay. It's made by HBO. The showrunner's the guy who did that uh, Chernobyl show. I mean, if there's any chance for this thing to be good, this thing has a good chance. Even though video game shows are never good. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe for once. But it's just going to be different, you know? It's like, I don't want to get too down on it. I'm sure it'll be okay and people will like it, but it's not going to be for me. It's just not going to be my thing. Because even if it's the same story, it just can't be told in the same way through a different medium. Like, for instance, with The Last of Us, it's, you know, uh, the first time you play through, it might... I mean, it took me a pretty long time because I played it on a hard difficulty. But I think it probably takes most people about 12 or 13 hours. And that's 12 or 13 hours that the two main characters spend together not even necessarily talking. You know, you're just walking through this post-apocalyptic America and you're scrounging around for supplies and stuff and you just, you have little conversations here and there and you build up this relationship between those two characters. And it's so neat because it's something that only a video game can do, you know? Like, only a video game can have you spend that amount of time doing something relatively mundane, but it's exciting, you know, it's not boring. But how would you do that in a TV show? Like, either the characters would spend a lot less time together, or 
they would spend all their time together constantly talking and just blah 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 to each other so it wouldn't feel as natural and as slow and as organic or it would be cripplingly boring you know if they did just scrounge around like that gets that gets old fast in a tv show but in a video game it's fine like there is just there is no one-to-one you can't just put one story from one medium onto another medium which is probably why video game movies and tv shows are always so bad because you just can't do that it's not that easy you got to figure out something else to do which (laughs) what i would do is just something completely different i'd say fuck this why are we trying to make a video game into a movie it never has worked and it never will work but hey good luck guys or like in the last of us this one scene i always think of uh, when you first go to bill's town it's this abandoned town where basically one guy lives like He set up the place with booby traps. He lives in the middle like the spider and the whole abandoned town is his spider web. And as you go through that town, there's a part with an old record store. And if you go into the old record store and you hang around long enough, Ellie, the girl that The Last of Us is all about, she'll just start flipping through the records and asking about them and talking about them because she grew up after the, the fall, you know, she never knew She's never been in a record store before. She's like, man, look at this. This is so cool. And the way that scene feels in a video game is so particular, you know? Like, when I envision it in my mind, I'm not just envisioning that scene. Like, in a show, here it is. Here's the scene where Ellie flips through the records and says something about them. And it's right there in front of you. It's flat. It's just, here's that scene. Here it is right in your face. Look at it. Where when I think about that scene in the game, I'm thinking of that whole environment. It's like I know where the record store is. I know what the alleyway outside is like. I know that down the road from there, there's this other stuff. I'm like aware of the surroundings. I'm thinking about where bad guys might be. I'm thinking about where items and shit might be. And the whole thing can just happen almost haphazardly, almost just to the side. It could not happen at all, you could barely pay attention, or if you focus, you focus. You just don't have that in a TV show. The TV show decides what the focus is, and it can just never be the same. That's a small example, but every single scene is going to be like that. Every single moment is going to be like that. So yeah, again, good luck, guys. Good luck. (laughs) I sure wouldn't want to fucking try. So why I bring that up is, yeah, each medium has its own way of being. And like a Japanese manga, a comic book. Most of the stuff I was reading that have these like new characters that are just introduced all of a sudden into the plot, the way I read them is like, okay, they're all done, here they are. Someone translated them into English, read them as a big batch of story. But that's not actually how they were released, you know? Like most comics in Japan are released week to week or month to month, but there's a lot of weekly ones in big collections. So every week you get a little piece of the story. And, oh man, there's an amazing YouTube channel. This guy, Paolo from Tokyo. He has this whole series that is so good. It's one of my favorite things on YouTube, where he just takes different jobs in Japan and he follows them through their day. And like, here's what the day-to-day life of a housewife is like. Here's the day-to-day life of a guy who works at a pachinko parlor. Day-to-day life of a chef. And one of them was the day-to-day life of a guy who has a successful manga that he runs. 
and how he meets up with his editors every week and they plan out what's going to happen next week. And it really is like week to week to week. There's some kind of overarching plan, but a lot of it is not planned. And that's why this happens. That's why just new characters get thrown in and weird swerves. And like, did the audience respond well to this? Do they like it? I don't know if they still do this, but they used to have polls where they'd poll the audience each week of like, what was your favorite comic this week? And if you're low on the polls, it's like, we got to shake shit up. So that's why manga is like that. So I was applying that same idea of like, I'll just throw in characters. Fuck it. Why not? They do that all the time in Japan. But I was doing it, you know, with a novel. I was trying to write a novel and I don't want to write like a fucking haphazard, weird, fucked up novel. Even back then, like I wanted this thing to be great. I wanted it to be awesome. And I was not great and I was not awesome. (laughs) You know, I put a lot, way too much pressure on myself. Once the story unraveled enough, that's why I just bailed out and I gave up. I'm like, this is not what I want it to be. I don't want this thing to just be haphazard like this. That's when I realized I need to plan out my stories more because what I want, what I want to do is not this. Although, I mean, I was putting it out. I should give myself a little, a little like leeway, I guess, because I was putting out chapters every week on my website. I was releasing it even in a similar way to how Japanese comics are released. But kind of similar to this podcast, like I was just showing how the sausage was made. I was like, yeah, I'm putting out these chapters every week. Feel, you know, hopefully someone will read them and someone cares. And I had a little, a little audience, but it's not, that wasn't the end goal. The end goal was to have an awesome book that I never succeeded at. Man, this is a fucking, <laughs> such a rambly podcast. <laughs> I have such a hard time holding my brain together. I'm going to walk across a log across this stream. So if I fall in, you'll hear me get wet in real time. It's kind of exciting to walk across a log. Oh, geez, see, I fell off already before I got over the water. I have pretty good balance. And if this was just a log that was not going over water, it would be no problem. But then it's like, oh, but I'm going over water. What if I fall in? (laughs) It's funny how it gets so much more stressful and scary. No wonder this fucking podcast is so scatterbrained. I'm fucking always doing other shit at the same time. Yeah, made it. Um, But yeah, what I was thinking with uh, this story, with its millions of characters, the other day I was just thinking about... uh, Oh, fuck! Whoa! That was close. No more walking across logs. I was just rolling around in my head. I was just rolling it around in my head, like, oh yeah, that old story, what could I do with that? And I was thinking about the millions of characters thing because I've been reading manga and I sort of put two and two together and I was like, oh, that's why I did that, yeah. So what if I had not done that? What if I didn't have a zillion characters? Then what? Like, what if I just focused on the two main characters? Just a, it's a boy and a girl, high school romance story. What if the story was just about them? And I started thinking about other stories I'm working on and how that is what I tend to do nowadays. Like this story that this whole podcast is about, this book Explode, it's really just two characters. 99% of it is just two characters. The rhino girl and the squid boy. (laughs) And that's it. Most of the book is just them. And then I was thinking about other stuff I'm working on, like the story about the two little girls trapped on the island. It's literally just two people. Two people on an island. Every scene is just those two characters. Every conversation is just those two characters. And then just other stuff that I've got in various stages, like the uh, 
the story about the, the romance story that takes place in the airport. Mainly just the guy and the girl, just those two characters. Uh, I've got this story about a girl who, uh, she gets evil powers. I've talked about it a little bit before, too. From a, a fucking cursed skull that she keeps in her backpack that talks to her. And she, like, mind controls her friend with it. But once the friend is mind controlled, like, it's a hardcore mind control. That friend is, like, not a person anymore. It's just, like, a weird puppet. So it's really just the girl and her magical skull. It's really just these two characters. Over and over again, that's what I do. Just two characters. And in the case of all these stories, it's working. It's working out real well. So yeah, just focusing on two characters, it really seems to work because there is no... Like, you know, adding in additional characters, it's like universally i did it and i think most manga and stuff does it just because again they're stuck they kind of don't know what to do next they ran out of ideas so if a story gets to that point that you need to add in new fucking people i mean it's basically just proof that the story's not well developed enough right like whatever the core conflict or the core relationship is between the two main characters it needs work if those two characters aren't enough, you know, if they can't maintain the whole story, then you gotta think on that, you gotta work on it, you gotta develop the, the two mains more. And then if you wanna add in more characters and shit, feel free, but, but you should really try to avoid adding in extra characters as a band-aid, you know, or as a, a fucking pressure release, a get-out-of-jail-free card. Because where does it stop? You know, where does it end? So I was thinking about that old story and I'm like, what if, if I ever was going to go back to that story, if I ever was going to try to salvage it, it's going to be way different, but it just has to be about those two main characters. And I kind of realized why this happened in the first place, why I started adding in characters is because one of those characters is not strong enough. The female lead is awesome. I got her down to a T. I got that figured out. That's great. But the dude that she kind of falls for and then they break up and it leads her to get all crazy. He just kind of sucks. He's just kind of a bland character. He's just kind of a stand-in. He's just a cool guy who comes to school. And I realized like, yeah, if I did try to write this story just about these two characters, just him and her, it would be really hard to do because he sucks. He's just not, he's too... He's too much of a trope. So I don't have a solution there. I don't have it all figured out, but I, I think that is, it gets down to the core of the problem, like getting rid of all these side characters and just looking at the two mains. It's nice after all this time, to, even though I don't have an answer, to at least kind of see the problem, see what the answer that I need is, you know? The answer that I'm looking for is, what do I do about that guy? What do I do to make that guy valuable in this story. What do I do to make him more interesting? So that's, uh, that's the main message of this rambly podcast is, uh, is if you're stuck on a story or even just if you're not, I don't know, just as a general exercise, just like take your two leads, whoever the two main most important characters are, and just imagine a version of your story that only has them, that has no one else. Would you be able to do that? Would that work? And if not, you know, maybe there's something about that core relationship, that core conflict that is not 
enough. Because, yeah, in all those other stories I mentioned, it does feel like enough. In this one, it was not. So just to wrap up, let me just tell you. I'll give you the quick run-through. I haven't gone back and read that story in some time. But just uh, as an example of how a story can spiral out of control, I'll give you the quick rundown of what that story was about. So it was called Smile, and it was a high school romance story. It was about a girl named Elizabeth who doesn't like school. <laughs> She's in 12th grade, the last grade of high school. And she gets to school on the first day of grade 12, and there's this new kid named Liam. I used Elizabeth just because it's kind of a regal name. And Liam because uh, of the prodigy. Liam Howlett's the guy from the band The Prodigy, which was uh, super, I was super into that band. Super cool band. So Liam and Elizabeth, basic hanging out at school, start hanging out, start going on little dates, doing little stuff. Again, I just wrote it week to week and it was kind of going okay. It wasn't so bad. Elizabeth had a couple friends. Liam made a couple of friends just to sort of have some people around, you know. They weren't really important characters, but they were just someone, you know, to fill things out a little. I don't feel too bad about those ones. That made sense. Introduced a, a guidance counselor. That was fine. Elizabeth's mom was in it. That's fine. All those characters I felt like were okay. That's, that's not conflicting with the main setup at all. But then, not even too far in, five or six weeks in maybe, I introduced a guy named Steven who was just kind of a uh, self-conscious nerd guy. Just, you know, I don't know, he was just in Elizabeth's classes and he was just maybe another anime trope, you know? And suddenly I had three characters. And it was just, okay, here's the cool guy that Elizabeth is trying to date, but then here's the nerdy guy that she just kind of, uh, I don't know, sort of tries to uh, mentor a little bit. Try to teach this guy how to have some self-esteem. So already, it's like, okay, I don't really know where that came from or why I put that guy in, but there he is. And then soon after that, I introduced a hot teacher, Miss Cantrell, who I named after Jerry Cantrell from Alice in Chains for some reason. <laughs> and, uh, and that's one of those situations that even though it is a real thing, you read those stories all the time, they're not that hard to find about the relatively young hot teacher who starts dating some younger boy and it becomes a big scandal. That's basically what this was, is now Liam's getting his eyes drawn away by the, the hot new teacher that just got transferred in. It's already people are coming in like fucking reinforcements in the war, you know? Uh, transfer in another character, we need a new one. So we had the hot teacher, and then also Liam started very vaguely just uh, being friendly with an, a slightly older girl who worked at an ice cream shop, <laughs> you know, who was out of school. But then uh, things between Liam and this teacher, Miss Cantrell, start getting a little more hot and heavy stuff going on. And Elizabeth also kind of becomes acquainted somewhat with this guy named Stone, who is just a big goon who hates school and is just a <laughs> generic bad, bad boy, bad guy. And Elizabeth's friends who, what were their names? It's like Lindsay and Hillary. Maybe there was one more. 
they start getting jealous of this hot teacher that all the boys keep talking about. So they start these little weird plans to sort of fuck with the teacher and hopefully get her fired eventually. Meanwhile, if I remember right, Liam's friends were like Jeff and Carl. I think it was going to be like Lenny and Carl, but I thought that was two on the nose. So I named one of them Jeff after Jeff Anderson from uh, Clerks. They're angry that the girls are trying to get the hot teacher fired, so that it's like a little side battle between these people happening. But eventually, I don't think things between the hot teacher and Liam ever really went all the way, but it was like enough with enough evidence of weird shit going on that I think the girls do get the hot teacher, Miss Cantrell, fired. And then the only person Hot teacher, Miss Cantrell, that's how it goes. Yeah, hot, hot teacher can only turn to Liam for solace because it's really her only friend in this new school is the hot young boy that she had her eyes on. And she tries to sleep with him, but he won't do it. But things between the two of them have gone far enough that Elizabeth freaks out on him anyway. So they have a big fight and then Liam's like, well, fuck this, and he does go back and fuck the hot teacher before she leaves town. <laughs> and then part two begins. Part two of the story, Liam and Elizabeth are broken up. The hot teacher's gone. Yeah, and I think this is where Liam's friends really are really incensed that Elizabeth's friends managed to get the hot teacher fired. So yeah, they have their little continuing escalation battle. Meanwhile, Liam starts dating the, the chick from the fucking ice cream shop. And Elizabeth is just losing her mind because she lost her dumb fucking boyfriend. So she starts hanging out with that guy Stone, the bad boy. And the two of them start forming a goon squad of disaffected youth that want to fuck with the school. And it turns into a little baby fight club, you know, of them just hanging out and giving rah-rah speeches and setting things on fire and breaking the windows and whatever. So I mean at this point it's all kind of all over the place but it's it's a story at least. Maybe it wasn't the worst but it certainly wasn't the best. Then things got really stupid. This is when I really was like man I just don't have any ideas. So that nerd kid Steven he becomes like a drunk and he joins the goon squad and that's weird enough, but where I really realized I was, this is when I was like inches away from giving up, when things really got off track. This is when it went full anime of like season two of the anime, you know, where not only are they introducing new characters and new plot things, but they're really out of nowhere with no foreshadowing and no buildup and no reason just uh, to put off the central conflict, basically, is... Yet another new kid fucking arrives at school, this guy Evan, who's total anime trope. He's just like a hot gay dude who decides he likes Liam and he's gonna, I don't know, try to fucking turn Liam to the beauty of boy-on-boy -boy love, I guess. <laughs> I never really got that far with that plot. I think, yeah, he started dating one of Elizabeth's friends as like a, a beard, you know, just to try to get him in with the social scene. But really, he just wanted to be a hot gay anime boy and make out with the other hot boy. And then on Elizabeth's side, 
there was a girl named Juliana I introduced who was, I have no idea how they met or why they know each other. I should go back and read that part just because I don't even remember how the fuck I managed that. Because she is like younger. I don't even think she was high school aged. And Elizabeth just starts hanging out with her like big, big brother, big sister program type stuff. She was named after Juliana Hatfield. And yeah, at this point, it's like, what even is this story? This is a whole different story now. What is even happening? Where were we trying to get to with this, <laughs> you know? At least before, I mean, it was all, it was pretty messy and it was like kind of ridiculous how we got to where we were at, but at least it kind of had a through line that you could follow that made some kind of sense. At this point, it's just a whole other story. It's like, what the heck is going on? Who are Evan and Juliana? Why are they here? What does this contribute? Where is this? Where is this going? You know? And then I had vague ideas for the ending. Just something about Elizabeth's goon squad setting the school on fire. And I don't know, I was thinking maybe that, uh, that the nerd kid Steven who'd become a drunk, maybe he could go handcuff himself in the school while it's on fire. And the only way Elizabeth can save him is to like hacksaw his arm off and she's willing to do it. She's literally got the fucking saw and she's starting to saw his shoulder. And then he admits that he swallowed a key so she makes him puke it up and saves him, I guess. Sure, why not? What does Liam have to do in all this? Beats me, who knows? Even though he was the main guy from the start, it's very clear at this point that he had no real purpose or point. Cause what the fuck is this shit, <laughs> you know? And really that's it. That's, that's the fucking story of Smile. And it's like, what the hell? What is this shit? Like, it's, it's a writing exercise is what it is. It's not an actual story. It couldn't really be a good novel because it's just a goddamn mess. It's just a bunch of shit. And it was valuable to do because that's when I learned that if I just write week to week with no plan, this is what happens. A bunch of shit happens. <laughs> but, you know, you got to go through the process to know that and to learn that. But then uh, in the ensuing years, I'd just be like, well, what if I took out the hot teacher? Because it's just a silly trope. It doesn't really matter that it does happen and that it is a thing. Because it doesn't feel real. Even though you can cite real examples, it just seems like a silly character. That was the first, first character that didn't feel like a character. It just felt like a trope. And I was like, all right, well, what if I took her out? But then I'm like, uh, well, what if... If Liam is kind of pointless, what if I took him out and I just made it about this guy, Steven? Because I guess his, his descent into alcoholism and trying to kill himself, that's kind of interesting. But again, it's just that's not the story. That's not what I wanted to write. I wanted to write a cool high school romance story. I don't want to write this depressed fucking teen suicide story. That's a whole different story. and That's not what this was ever supposed to be. And yeah, what I'm realizing now is like, what if I just take out everyone? every person just those first two and if i can't nail down in my own mind who these two are and why i'm even writing a story about them then it's never going to get anywhere and it's never going to work and i don't have that answer and i don't know what their deal is and i probably never will but again it's like it still in a weird way feels like a step in the right direction like, I don't know how to fix it, but I at least know where I went wrong. I know what the problem is. And the problem is that in my other stories, Surratt and Quaylem are enough to hold a whole story together. Rose and Gwen, the two girls on the island, 
It's enough to hold the whole story together. The girl and her voodoo skull is enough to hold the whole story together. Liam and Elizabeth is just not enough. It's not enough to hold the whole story together. So I hope that was interesting in some way. I hope that's hopefully useful in some way. That uh, if you're stuck on a story, or you're getting lost, or you're spinning your wheels, or you're just adding in new characters and wild plot contrivances and crazy shit, just get it, boil it right down. Just, if you can find two people that have an interesting enough scenario between the two of them that you could write a whole book just about them, then you're good. Proceed from there, and then if you want to pile more stuff in and add in more stuff, that's, that's cool, go for it. But make sure that that core idea is enough for the whole story. And as an example, going back to music, again, song of the day, but just how obviously throughout the course of this podcast, like a lot of my ideas come from music, a lot of the tone and the feeling of stories, I get the idea of it from music. And just as an example of how Elizabeth is enough, but Liam isn't, I got a theme song in mind that has been for years. It's just kind of the song I use when I thought of the girl Elizabeth from that story. It's a song called I Got No Idols by Julianna Hatfield. Specifically, the piano version. When I think about her, I think about that song. Whereas when I think about the dude, when I think about Liam, I ain't got shit. I ain't got shit because he's just a hot guy who comes into school, you know? <laughs> he's just a plot contrivance. He's just a trope. And one character and a trope is not enough. You need two characters. You need them. <laughs> you need at least two. And I didn't. I only really had one. And then I just started surrounding that one by more and more random-ass bullshit. And it never worked out, and it was never gonna. But anyway, for Song of the Day, here is I Got No Idols by Juliana Hatfield. Thank you for listening once again. Adios. Just don't touch